Today's episode of The Ride is brought to you by Troxel Helmets. And now a quick word from our sponsor. The Dynasty Troxel Helmet is a statement maker with bold graphics and full ventilation. This lightweight Dynasty is a trendsetter's favorite. The fashionable colors and designs cater to riders who like to match their horse's gear by looking great and being comfortably protected. With the built-in comfort features like the Dial Fit Pro system that adjusts to the shape of your head, you'll see why this helmet has become a favorite. Check it out today at TroxelHelmets.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Ride. I am your host, Nicole Cherico, and today I am here with a friend, a fellow equine photographer, and actually a coworker of mine from the Equine Network, Kirsten Ziegler. And today, I really want to talk about her transition from the English world, where she came from jumping and, and competing in that injury for most of her youth career and, and into her adult career. But then recently, she got into the reining and transitioned over to a Western sport and had competed at events like the Run for a Million in the Rookie Division. And then, you know, some of the biggest horse shows in the country, whether it's the the Best of the West in Scottsdale or the Cactus Classic. And, and so she really came from one industry and really dove headfirst into the reining industry. So Kirsten, thank you so much for coming on, talking with us. I'm really excited to kind of learn more about your story and how you ended up in the Western industry. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, like you said, I spent pretty much my entire riding career up until last year in the hunter-jumper circuit. I grew up in Colorado and was very competitive in the hunters and equitation. So I really like to go out there and look pretty and execute, you know, very correct and gorgeous rounds. So my transition to the reining wasn't too crazy since that is a judge sport. I guess I just wanted to try something different and got really tired of, you know, in the hunter jumper world and, you know, thought spinning and sliding stops sounded like my kind of adrenaline rush. For sure. I can kind of relate to that. While I didn't come from the English world, I didn't do the hunters or the equitation or anything like you had. I came from the all around industry where it was very much that same kind of concept of really depends on sitting pretty, looking nice, you know, learning that classic equitation horsemanship body position. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, it just got to the point to where I had, you know, I'd done well as a kid and I enjoyed it, but I was ready to transition and try something new. And, and just like you, the, the sins and the stopping. And I, I got kind of interested in the cow horse first and then transitioned to the reining. But all of that is so exciting. And like the first time that you ride a really good horse that knows how to stop and spin, you're hooked. And you, yeah, you got, you got really lucky. So you're, you're based in Scottsdale and you have some of the world's greatest horse trainers literally in your backyard. So you got yeah. hooked up with a really awesome horse trainer who kind of showed you the ropes and was truly probably the reason that you found your horse. You got to compete at events like the run for a million. So let's kind of talk about that. How did you get involved with your horse trainer? And and what was that process like coming from an entirely different industry? Yeah, so basically, I happened upon the Cactus Classic 
it happens at the same time as a hunter jumper show. They're at the same venue. So you've got hunter jumper stuff going on in a couple arenas and you've got raining going on in the other arenas. And I just kind of was like, I have to try this sport. And I posted it on my Instagram and was like, Hey, looking for recommendations for a raining trainer, like just coming from this background, like I just want to try it out. And I got a handful of recommendations and sent out a bunch of emails and was like, basically just said, I am coming from the hunter jumper world. I really just want to take a lesson, see what it's all about, try something different. And it was actually fellow photographer, Kirsty Marie Jones, who recommended my trainer, Patrick Flaherty. And I had my first lesson and it was so much fun and so inviting. I was really nervous. I think we kind of have this expectation of, you know, not wanting to look like an idiot out there. And I never felt that way. I had so many people who were just out at the ranch helping me out and just like answering questions before I even asked them. And I was immediately hooked. I felt like I texted Patrick all the time, like, when can I come lesson? Like, can I do this again? Which is really hard because there's not really lesson horses in the reining for the most part, at least ones that, you know, are going to be fun. There's ones, I, I know some barns have lesson horses that are like, you know, for the kids or the first timers, like they're not going to do their maneuvers as hard as, you know, someone like myself who has, you know, been on a horse. And so where it was going to be fun for me. So I kind of had to ask him whenever someone would be out of town or that I could just borrow a one of his client's horses to take a lesson on or, you know, something like that. And so timing was kind of crazy. And so I think I only had, I had three lessons. It was like at my third lesson, like after my break, I told him, I was like, hello, I would like to buy a reigning horse. Thank you. Find one for me. I was just having too much fun and just kind of knew that to go any further in the sport, I would have to purchase. At least that's what I wanted to do. I think you can lease yeah. and stuff like that too, but I was like full send. For sure. Yeah, no, you can you can definitely there's definitely definitely different ways to get involved in the industry, but for someone like you who wants to compete at that really high level and, and become the best rider, like best showman and, and rainer rider that you can be obviously having your own horse, especially one like your horse who has the background that he does is such a nice benefit and definitely helps you kind of get a little further, a little quicker. And, and like you said, you know, lesson horses aren't really a thing in the Western world. I feel like they're more of a a thing in the English world. Like you hear more of having lesson horses and and even the higher level barns, but yeah, in, in the Western world, that's not as common. So that's for sure a hurdle that you, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners probably struggled with trying to, to get their feet wet in the industry. But I think, you know, your what you did is a really great demonstration of the best way to get involved in the industry. Find a seasoned professional who has been in this industry for a really long time is is probably the best way to get involved. And thankfully with the internet, there's, you know, NRHA has their professional horseman website and you can find all these people who are in your area. And and like you, you're really lucky where you have all these amazing trainers so close to where you live. So, you know, you, you probably had a problem that most people don't and where you had so many different directions that you could go. So how was, I mean, you obviously had a friend find you, you know, get you connected with Patrick, but I think it's really important to also note that Patrick is so wonderful with non-pro riders. And I think that's really important too, is that, you know, horse trainers all have different expertise. Some are really great at just showing the open level four horses, but I think it's really important to find a horse trainer 
who can not only teach you, but who can find you a horse that, you know, isn't too much horse or not enough horse or, you know, everything in between. Yeah. And actually connected with Patrick, it was literally just because he was the first to reply to me. So I sent out, I think four or five emails to recommended trainers and all of them, I would still, I think they're all wonderful as well, but he like replied to me first and I was just like, okay, so I guess like I'll lessen with him. And if I don't like it, like I've got three or four others that have also replied to me, but maybe took longer. I was like, if I don't like it, I can just go to another one. And no, I just connected with him super well. I had had some you know, bad experiences with a couple of trainers. I mean, I've had wonderful trainers and I've had horrible trainers. So I've kind of experienced the spectrum and I just felt really comfortable with him from the get-go. And I think it was kind of impressive that he was able to take this little, like, I'm going to find this girl who has ridden Hunter Jumper her entire life and done three reining lessons and find her a good horse. Like, I don't know. You'd think that it would, you know, take a little bit longer to get to know a rider. But no, he figured me out pretty quick and found me the perfect horse. So for sure. I think the other really great thing about this barn and and it was obviously not the reason why you went there. Like you said, he was just the first one to get back to you. But he has such a great non-pro community. And and like you had mentioned a little earlier in the podcast, you were able to kind of form friendships with these other riders and and kind of get their advice and, you know, help with stuff and, and just learning the ropes. Yeah, absolutely. I met Kristen Tito, the owner of Hobby Horse at my first lesson. And she just like took me around and was like, this is where you put your water. Like, this is where we get off. This is like where we do all these things. And at the end, she was like, what's your phone number? What's your Instagram? Like, you're going to be my new friend. And I was like a little overwhelmed, but very thankful. I also met like other people that day. And I looked forward to kind of going out there and getting connected with these people because I've been just kind of riding by myself, even in the hunter jumper stuff for a long time. I mean, I have my friends, but you know, they're like my one friend, it was really nice to get connected to other people. And that's kind of really what hooked me, I think, to stay was not only the great coaching by Patrick, but also the entire community. Yeah. And so let's kind of talk a little bit about finding a horse for you. Obviously, you have a very expansive riding background, but you're coming into a brand new sport. You know, Western riders ride their horses significantly different from English riders. You know, what was the horse shopping process like? What did you guys kind of talk about before he went out and started finding you a couple horses? Yeah, we basically agreed that we wanted something that would be competitive, preferably not too aged out. We were thinking in the four to six age, so derby aged, in case I wanted to derby on that horse, because we figured my trajectory, I would out, I, my skills would exceed a finished horse pretty quickly and that I would board, which I do. If I get, if I get something that's too easy, I'm like, hmm, give me a challenge. So we wanted something that would even need a little bit of work, a little tune up or something that would just be so much fun that, you know, my skills would press with it. And I really, I only tried two horses. So unfortunately I don't have a lot of experience to say that I tried, you know, a handful or, you know, that it, 
took a long time. It did take about a month or two before we found Martini. But I sat on, it was one day I sat on one horse and he just didn't seem competitive enough. He was safe enough, but he just kind of, we locked up. And then we went and sat on Martini and I was like, I love this little red Corvette, (laughs) even though he was a challenge for me. And our first ride definitely wasn't, you know, amazing, but I just, I loved him. And I was like, I need him. So let's talk a little bit about Martini. Can you tell our listeners, you know, more about him? He had a really extensive open career before you took over as the owner. So yeah, do you want to tell us a little bit more about him? Yeah, Martini, he's now seven. I bought him as a six-year-old. He had a very competitive career, like you said, in the opens. He was shown by Brian Bell for his first couple years in the Futurity, made it to the Futurity finals. I think he he was pushing a time earnings of almost 50000 at this point. And then he was taken over by his non-pro, the lady that I bought him from and she showed him in the derbies for a year or two before deciding that she needed a new fraturity horse and that's why she sold him to me and it was actually kind of a cute story so she didn't want to sell him and because she had just bought this other horse and I was obviously looking and Patrick had reached out to Arno who was the trainer of his non-pro Julie and was like, Hey, this girl came from the hunter jumper background is looking for a horse. Like I think Martini would be a good fit. And we didn't know at the time, but Julie also came from the hunter jumper background and was like, Oh my gosh, of course. Like if one person's going to try him, it's going to be the girl who came from the same background as I. So no one else really tried him, but me, I guess it was just kind of meant to be that way. I love it. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny how those things kind of happen and and they are meant to be. So let's talk a little bit about the first couple times that you showed. You said that it was a challenge, which like I mentioned earlier, imagine that coming from a different discipline where the English rides so forward and you know there are so many new concepts that you're probably trying to teach yourself after years and years of training yourself mm-hmm. to do something completely opposite. So even though you are a seasoned, you know, veteran in the show pen, it, did it feel like a brand new experience? Like, oh my gosh, this is my first horse show? Or was it, eh, I've done this a bunch, like, you know, I'm comfortable in the arena. You know, what was that first experience like? There wasn't so much show jitters for being in the show pen just because of my years of experience in that arena it was definitely just like trying to go out there and a remember my pattern and b the biggest thing for me is also not doing things that i do with my jumping horse because your muscle memory just kind of kicks in and sometimes the horse will do something and you're like oh this is the correction but it's not the correction you're actually doing you're messing yourself up kind of that way which is my biggest kind of problem and so I have my own, you know, things that I do in the show pen that I'm working on for with like each horse. So yeah, basically, it wasn't too bad. wasn't too nervous. That's good. I, I could imagine though, like, like you said, like that, you're just muscle memory takes over. And it's, it's definitely something that like, the only thing that you can do is repetition and just keep going mm-hmm. in the show pen and, and doing it over and over and over again until it's just like, this is the new normal sitting the way that you sit when you stop or, you know, going on a loose rein and using your legs differently. And, you know, all of that. Yeah, I think the hardest thing is 
I come from doing way too much. It's like, just simplify, don't do all the things because in the, I, those who ride the hunter jumper dressage, like any of that, you're kind of like actively manipulating one end of the horse all simultaneously like together. And you don't do that in the reining. If you start doing that, you start asking for random things that are happening. And so that's where you can kind of get into trouble. So I guess it's just keeping it simple. And the more I do it, the more I'm able to kind of make that separation and it, it, it'll just click better <laughs> for sure. And you've like competed, you know, like you said, the first horse show that you ever experienced was the Cactus Classic, which is probably one of the reigning's biggest events, especially now that we have the run for a million open qualifier there. I feel like it's attracting literally everybody from all coasts and in the middle of the country to that show. So you experienced probably the best of the best at the first horse show that you ever went to without even realizing it because you were just like oh this is going on the same same horse show that I'm at yeah but now you're competing at those events and then recently you competed at the run for a millions rookie challenge which is an event that you had to qualify for I would say is probably one of the most exciting events not even just in reigning history but like in all of western disciplines is is the run for a million and And, you know, while the main event is the main event, you got to compete there. And I think that is so cool, especially for somebody who has only been in the reigning for, you know, a year and a half or or two years or whatever it is now. And I think that's a big testament to your experiences. (laughs) Yeah, a little over a year. That's, I mean, that's that's a pretty big deal, especially, you know coming into a new industry, but obviously your riding background helped you excel there. And and having a trainer like Patrick helped you, you know, find you the horse that needed to take you there. Um, what was that? What was that like? I mean, there was obviously a couple bumps in the road with Patrick breaking his arm right before the event. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> because I know there will be questions. Basically what happened the night before we were set to haul out to Vegas, he calls me and he's like, so I broke my arm having surgery tomorrow morning. And I was like, Great. Cool. So he's going to be hopped up on narcotics while he's trying to coach me. This is great. Just kidding. That was fine. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't too worried about it at that point because I his assistant is like wonderful and great and was able to get us prepared very well. And she schooled Martini and, you know, we were pretty well dialed in. And then when Patrick eventually joined us, cast and all, I felt, I felt pretty good going in there. I mean, I just made some minor, let's just call them muscle memory mistakes that kept us from, you know, scoring as high as I wish we would have, but it was still a really amazing run. And I had a lot of fun, you know, I've been to a lot of horse shows. I mean, I haven't been to, you know, the, I would say the biggest hunter jumper shows in the world or anything like that. But, you know, over the course of my riding career, I've been to some pretty big ones and there's nothing really quite like the energy the whole week. I mean, it's so much fun and, you know, there's all the shopping and you're in Vegas, like it just sets a totally different vibe. Yeah. And you have, there's like so fun cameras everywhere because they're filming Mm -hmm. the last cowboy and and actors from Yellowstone are just roaming the concourse. It's, it's nothing like I've ever seen before. Yeah. It's totally wild. I've definitely never experienced anything like it either. I don't think there's even anything similar for the hunter jumper stuff because the hunter jumper stuff there, I mean, you don't see that on TV like ever. No. 
So obviously with the growing popularity of TV shows like Yellowstone or The Last Cowboy, um, really any Taylor Sheridan production that involves horses, <laughs> we're seeing a, a huge growth in our sport. You know, our fraternity sales, the horses are selling for record numbers. And, mm -hmm. you know, when I was at the Run for a Million, and I think you can probably say something similar, you ran into so many people who didn't own horses, but were super fascinated in the horse industry and just Absolutely. wanted to come to the horse show to be a part of it all. And so obviously, there are a lot of new people coming into the sport. And while not a lot of them have your background, where you were already heavily involved in the horses and competing and, and show showing and competition, but what would your advice be to anybody who is looking to come into the reining industry? I would say if you can find like a good, like a friend or a good trainer, then you'll be set up for success. I think the NRHA has the find a pro program and just be like me, just send out a bunch of emails and be annoying and see who you click with. Don't be afraid to bounce around, but everything is like worth trying, you know, and if it, it stuck, obviously with me, it was, you know, pretty immediate addiction, but you never know. Maybe, maybe the raining isn't for you, but keep jumping around, keep trying stuff. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, reach out to people. Don't be afraid to connect with, I, I think like I still find myself getting nervous messaging or emailing or texting or calling like all these really big you know, professionals who I, I admire so much in the show pen. And, mm -hmm. you know, then you have to remind yourself, I'm like, okay, well, I work for a magazine. Like they're used to this stuff. Like I've talked to them a million times. I don't know why I'm still nervous, but like <laughs> do it. Like these people want, yeah. you know, they want to get people involved in the industry. And if you're not a good fit for them, they're going to try really hard to find you somebody who they think might be a good fit. If you're a beginner rider and they don't have any true beginner horses maybe they have a friend down the road who has a really great beginner yes. program and then once you you know master that you can transition over to the reigning trainer or whatever like I think you can agree to this like we want to see our industry succeed and grow and and I think mm -hmm. trainers are really open to helping absolutely I think I said that when I originally reached out to all the trainers I said if you if this isn't something that is of interest to you? Do you have a recommendation of someone that I can talk to? And, you know, no one's ever, I mean, no one's ever been rude about it. They even like to this day, I have people reaching out to me, just like friends who are like, Oh, who can I get involved with? Like, I really want to try this. And I just give them like more recommendations. I'm like, this is like, no one has ever said no. And if they do say no, then they're not for you. So Right, exactly. Easy. Maybe just don't corner them while they're trying to get ready to show or they're coaching a non-pro before the arena. Like maybe just wait until they're not busy. But I think yeah, that, yeah. you know, like what you said, you you just reached out to a ton of people and and yeah, it's a great way to get involved. So let's talk a little bit about kind of the differences, the the real big differences between your English career and going into the reigning. Did you have any were there anything like where the horse shows run differently? Is there anything that really like, stood out to you the first time that you went to a reigning event? I mean, besides the fact that everybody screams and cheers and is out of control to run, I'm sure that was new. Oh, yeah, that was, 
easily the most identifiable difference. One of the bigger differences that I really like schedule wise is that they have at least the shows that I've been to, it's not all of them where they would have like the rookie in green and, you know, the lower level non-pro stuff on the weekends, which is great because the open can go during the week and Martini can get schooled and I can work during the week like most non-pros and adult amateurs. For sure. But you're really lucky in the sense that you, like myself, we both work for the Equine Network. You work on a completely opposite side of the Equine Network. So we really don't cross paths all that much at work, but you work in the team roping side of things. And I have to say, it's been so nice working for a company that like, you're like, I'm going to a horse show. And they're like, oh my God, great. Like, let us know how you do. And everybody's watching the live streams to cheer you on. And you don't have to explain like what an affair appointment is, or I have to go to the vet with my horse or, you know, I'm taking a long lunch because it is really nice outside and I want to ride before (laughs) the weather gets hot or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Pro tip, like get a job that's in the equine industry because they get it. You don't have to explain it. It's amazing. I came from, you know, being in an office, you know, the eight to five in a totally different industry. And I had to like go in there and beg, literally beg to come in 30 minutes late so I could go ride at sunrise in the winter to get my lessons in. And they were like, be sneaky about it or you might get fired. And now I'm like, I'm going to go on a trail ride. Thanks. It is amazing. Like they just get it. And speaking of of going for trail rides, you recently, after your last horse show with Martini, he is getting a well-deserved break. As are you, you guys have pained pretty hard getting ready for the rookie event at the run for a million and then, and then some afterward. So what's, what's that been like? I'm sure this is probably his first time living in a non horse trainer performance horse barn environment. I would say so. I feel like he was probably plucked out of the pasture at, you know, 18 months old and was like, here you go. This is going to be your life. You're going to horse show. Hope you like it. Yeah. So I felt kind of a little guilty because, you know, we worked so hard last winter to try and I feel like I was playing catch up is what I told everyone. And I think it's because I just set stupid high expectations for myself and I am highly competitive in nature anyway. So I was like, you know, from my very first show, October of what was that last year to the cactus, I was like, I got six months to not be embarrassing anymore, which is just me telling myself, I know it was embarrassing. I know everyone's like, you did wonderful, but all those who are competitive know what that's like. So we worked really hard all winter. And yes, Patrick is amazing for waking up and coaching me at 6am in the winter. So I could fit in lessons just to get better. So A plus. And so he didn't, Martini didn't really have like an off season. And so I decided this year after our last show that I was going to bring him home. And I am fortunate enough to have a property that allows for that. It's nothing fancy. We don't have 40 acres and pasture and stuff, but I do like to take very good care of my animals. So he came home and he just gets lots thrown out. And I ride on bareback and we do like real work like once every other week. And we've gone on trail rides. I'm pretty sure it's Martini's first trail ride experience. He's doing Flint at it. And I just kind of really wanted to give him a really good mental break because he works so hard out there and he is a very competitive horse and he just deserves it. Earned it. 
I feel like Martini's also kind of taken on a new career as inducing other people to the reigning because you have had your husband riding him. You've had a couple of other friends like stop and and spin on him. And you're just, he's kind of helping get other people hooked in the industry. Absolutely. I feel so bad. I'm like, you tolerated me learning and now I'm going to throw a bunch of random people on you. But it's so good for him because he is, I know we discussed this, but he really is user-friendly. You know, he's only going to, he's not going to hold anything against you and if you ask wrong he's just not gonna do it correctly like he's not gonna blow up on you or anything and he's just a really truly wonderful animal and I love him so much so you're taking a little break this winter to give you and him a lovely mental break after after the the year that you guys have had together but you're still planning on going back to the show pen next year so can you kind of tell everybody you know what your goals are with him going forward yeah so he has sadly aged out of any of the aged events. So, and I don't plan on selling him because I'm obsessed and I won't let anyone take him away from me. So it's a problem I have. I'm a horse collector. So I think because I haven't earned out of my rookie status, I'll I just, you know, hit it hard with another rookie year, try and qualify for the run for million rookie again, and basically do similar stuff that I did this year just with another year of experience under my belt and hopefully, you know, be able to work just that much harder on my muscle memory and not making dumb mistakes and remembering to count to four and not five. So we'll just, you know, go for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, counting. Yeah. The, the overspinning, underspinning dilemma is a real issue for everybody. <laughs> pros, non-pros, oh, so people bad. who have been doing it for years. Because you, it's so easy to lose count because of how fast they're going. So I feel like you're not alone in trying to count to four. That is a much harder task than people probably think it is when they're listening to someone say that. But it is. It's super hard. Yeah, especially when the spinning is usually your like good maneuver. You're like, I got the spins. I'm going to focus on you know the harder parts. And then you're like, well, crap. I I didn't count to four this time. Like, let's take it one maneuver at a time. It, I love yeah, it. It was not great. Not my finest. Well, well, you can only improve. Like you said, you have another year yet. You're mm-hmm. you're gonna aim for you know going to the run for a million again, which is probably one of the coolest events to be able to say that you got to go to. So you know, good luck with all of that. You do a lot of equine photography as well, so you're constantly involved in the industry. And like your your photo has been on the cover of Horse and Rider, so people have probably seen your name in the magazine. But do you want to tell everybody where they can follow you to to see your your art, to see your journey with Martini, all of that? Yeah, I, I think I'm the most active on Instagram. It's at Kirsten Ziegler photo. I have just kind of merged my personal and professional. I just kind of share all the things on there. I don't, yeah, my personal account's not even worth following since I just post it all on there. Yeah, Kirsten Ziegler photo. My website's super easy. It's kirstenziegler.com. I say it's easy, but I have a really hard to spell first and last name. So sorry about that. Are there show notes? Can you link it? Cool, cool. Yes, yes, we have show notes. We can link it. Sweet. Yeah, you and I both. (laughs) Most ridiculous names to try and spell. It's so much fun. But yeah, so thank you so much for coming on here and and talking to us about your journey into the Western industry. I hope that some of your experiences and advice is helpful for anybody who is trying to get into this industry. But yeah, we, I greatly appreciate you coming on and talking. Absolutely. It was super fun.
All right. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Once again, we'd like to thank Troxel Helmets for being the sponsor of today's episode. Thank you guys for tuning into the Ride Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Horse and Rider Magazine on social media and find us at horseandrider.com to see all the cool things that we're up to. And if you have any comments or questions, please be sure to hit us up at horseandrider at equinenetwork.com. We want to hear from you guys. And if you like what you're listening to, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes.